0: So today, we're diving in again to one of our Never Give Up talks, and it's one of those that just, I mean, you probably heard what the subject was, so you're like, I gotta be there. This is just so luring, right? The subject of simplicity is so appealing. No, it, it is, we're diving into this weird subject. Maybe you'd call it frugality. Isn't that a good one? Being frugal is inspiring. Why in the world would we talk about this? Well, it's interesting. It's a value throughout scripture that like God points out that is a big huge massive stumbling block to us, leaving us carrying weight he never intended for us. So I'm so pumped actually about today's talk. Matthew 6:31 says this. Don't uh, so don't worry about these things, saying What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Maybe if you've been around church world for a while, you may know other translations of that passage which says, seek first the kingdom of God, right? And we just, it's easy to know, it's another thing to practice. So our big idea today is simplicity is seeking the kingdom of, seeking the kingdom of God first, One of the authors we've been reading in preparation for this series is is, uh, Richard Foster, and he writes in a book called Celebration of Discipline. Uh, The central point of the discipline of simplicity is to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness of his kingdom first, and then everything necessary will come in proper order. It is impossible to overestimate the importance of Jesus' insight at this point. Everything hinges upon maintaining the first Thing as first. Nothing must come before the kingdom of God, including the desire for simple lifestyle. Isn't it so funny how we can try to course correct from living over here w- with just such an overconsumption mindset, and we're going, then I'm going to live a simple lifestyle, and then we swing over here to this side of the pendulum, instead of discovering, how do I live in a balanced state? Call it frugality, simplicity, margin, minimalism is a new word maybe you hear. Freedom from frivolous living. We live in a time where people are grasping for more and more and more, thinking it will bring them happiness, and it's just become a weight and a responsibility and... and, um, are we willing to get to a point? And I think we are. I actually think we're at this tipping point where people are going, I want to free myself from some of this. You see people fasting from social media for a seizing or, or fasting, doing 30-day challenges this or 30-day challenges that, just realizing to get more, maybe I need to give up something. And so you're seeing more and more of this movement, and it's inspiring, it's interesting to to look at the fact that God actually talks about this in scripture, and that he would encourage us to discover the blessings of, uh, of singularity and passion and focus to him. And then he'll bless us with so much, but it's like, let's get this like one thing right, first and foremost. In Deuteronomy 8, 7, we won't read it. Uh, you could go to Deuteronomy 8 and read all of it. But he, God promises his people that they would enter the land flowing with milk and honey. He's entering, the Israelites are able to enter the promised land. And he's given them all these promises. And it, so in Deuteronomy 8, 7, he's telling them about this land and all they're going to inherit. Ten verses later, in Deuteronomy eight seventeen, he warns them to remember who brought them the provision... And to not think that they did it by their own hands. Because isn't it so easy, right, that we're blessed and we just think, I did this, I am a self-made man, right? And we start writing books, like, follow me. No, it was God who blessed you and provided for you. And so he sets up this path. Generations and generations later, Jesus gives similar instruction. And in Luke 16, 13, he says, no one can serve two masters. For you'll hate the one or you'll love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. It's interesting. If you were doing an evaluation of your life, would you say that you're frugal or frivolous? Like which, which way do you tend to go, you know, and... Do you recognize when you've taken the bait, drank the Kool-Aid, gone down the path of consumerism? Or do you find yourself living on what God intended to provide for others through you, but you recognize, oh man, I held on to that blessing, and I think he wanted to, to flow through me. I've had moments like that. The Christian discipline of simplicity is an inward reality that results in an outward lifestyle. And um, I don't know, I think it's my, all kinds of things happen with age, right? I'm 47, and I've all of a sudden discovered I like documentaries. Is that it? I'm old, instantly, I like just chalk, check the box, right? Thank you, Netflix. I am watching documentaries, and uh, it's weird. I, I can geek out on them, whether they're food channel ones, or, or whether they're organizational ones, or uh, I watched the documentary, Minimalism. Has anybody watched this one? It's really interesting. I'm all alone. No, okay. Uh, these guys decide that they're going to just live on like nothing. And they write about what, what, how they're simplifying their life and, and uh, how they found such freedom in stopping the pursuit of clamoring for more. Both incredibly successful guys just decided that, man, I'm gonna be more happy with less. All this stuff is like weighing me down. And um, they look at the world and the obsession with more and more and more around them and they kind of took a deep gulp and went, wow, this is a problem. I see it in our own community, being a part of the Chamber of Commerce. I see different businesses that are coming into town and we have uh, meetings with them and, and help them forge a path of success and different things and, and n- n- like another business, another business, storage unit, another business, another business, storage unit. Wow, how many storage units do we need in a city? You know, And you just kind of chuckle about it. It's a 38 billion dollar industry. Now, don't raise your hand if you've got stuff that you haven't seen in about a year in a storage unit that's just been gathering dust, right? Now, I, I was telling uh, one of our, our members earlier, I'm not picking on you because they just built one. But uh, it's it just the reality is, like, you're being blessed by storage unit users because your business is building one, and I'm not picking on you. Anyway, tell your husband he should have been at church and I could have picked directly on him. But they, uh, it was so fun. The reality is, it's a huge industry. Why? We can't let go of things. Have you seen Tidying Up? Right? That's another Netflix kind of show. The whole premise of that is to let go of things. I realized the other day when we were, we, we have a chore chart in our, our kitchen for doing dishes. And uh, one of our daughters was unloading the dishwasher and was like, we, we need to get rid of some of these mugs. <laughs> it was this moment of just overwhelmed. They're stacking on top of each other, and they're either going to break or we're going to give them to somebody that's going to use them well, right? Because we have so many mugs. Wikipedia says to be a minimalist, you have to have less than 100 things. Like you live on less than 100 items. Can you imagine? Sp- depending on the season of life. Year end, you have less than 100 things in your house. Whoa, that's hard. We have more than 100 mugs in our house. I was just like, this is a problem. Why am I watching this show? Um, it's so funny. Being simple or frugal is not to say, man, I need to go to this extreme and only live with 100 things uh, man I've got four one of you kids has to go I have four kids one of you is out because if I if I bring you in you're going to want things so or do I get a hundred times a kid I don't know how it's going to work but uh, you do hear about it this time of year people are making decisions man if, if you're going to want toys for Christmas we need to decide which toys to get rid of right? any parents had that discussion? Uh, where are we going to store this stuff? you know and so um, I'm not Unfortunately, uh, for the storage facility companies, I'm not going to get a storage unit and storage stuff there. Uh, So it's like you're selling stuff because we are going to not become pack rats. So I just look at that and go, wow, this minimalism mindset is interesting. Dana and I have been incredibly frugal, probably on the pendulum of really frugal in our lives, oftentimes because of necessity, because we need to be able to eat you know, so you don't buy a lot. But just looking at this, how do I get to a place of, of living a more simple life? Here's a couple challenging quotes from that, that Netflix show. Uh, it's not that there is anything wrong with consumption, just compulsory consumption. Buying stuff because that is the template you have been sold. Yeah, we have been sold a template, haven't we? Spoiler alert, if you're going to go home on Netflix and watch the show on minimalism, here's the final quote from the the hour of of your life. Love people and use things because the opposite never works. There's wisdom in that, isn't there? Okay, back to one of the books we've been reading, Robert Frost or Richard Froster. Uh, From Celebration to Discipline, he said, The majority of Christians have never seriously wrestled with the problem of simplicity. Conveniently ignoring Jesus' many words on the subject. The reason is simple. The discipline directly challenges our vested interests in an affluent lifestyle. But those who take the biblical teaching on simplicity seriously are faced with severe temptations toward legalism. In the earnest attempt to give concrete expression to Jesus' economic teaching, it is easy to mistake our particular expression of the teaching for the teaching itself. We wear this attire or buy that kind of house or we canonize our, our choices as the simple life. And the danger gives special importance to finding and clearly articulating a focal point for simplicity. Simplicity itself can become idolatry. So we need a balanced approach at not giving in to the consumption mindset of the world that we're in. So a couple thoughts for you that I think are gonna bring freedom to us and challenge us. Isn't it good to be challenged through the word of God? Thought one, simplicity focuses our trust and love on God. Like the simplicity mindset makes us seek first the kingdom of God. Hebrews thirteen five says, don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have for God has said, I will never fail you. I'll never abandon you. Sometimes we can hold on to things that God intended us to let go of and it's a trust factor at that moment, right? Listen to the wisdom sown throughout Scripture, sown throughout generations of people discovering how to live a trustful life in their relationship with God. Oftentimes we trust our resources versus the provider of them. The one who can rebuke the devourer from our life, as you read through Malachi. He's the only one that can protect us based on our free living, intentionally living in a way that is faithful to God, first and foremost, and generous to those around us. 1 Timothy 6.10 says the love of money is a, a root of all kinds of evil. Not the root, but it's one of them, right? Some people eager eager for money wander from the faith and pierce themselves with many griefs. The Bible's clear that money issues are very close to heart issues. Money has the ability to expose all kinds of idols in our life. And no matter where we're at on the income spectrum, if we're low on income, been there during great seasons of my life, We think money is the answer. And then if we're on the side where, man, we have extra in the account, and then money is the answer, right? We can be on either side of it, and we put this idol out there when really it's like, thank you, God, for your provision. When we discuss simplicity, we must realize that we're talking about the heart more than the home. God wants our hearts, not our finances. It just so happens that they're closely connected. It's the whole purpose behind tithing, I believe, this practice that God is, is lifted up throughout Scripture of giving the first 10% of your income to the Lord. And you look at people as they practice this over generations, and, and the, the idea behind it is that they are giving God the glory, for, that all the provision is his. And it somehow releases the bondage from this thing called finances. This, it's not, though, interesting enough, tithing is not an investment. And it's tricky because it's real easy for us to get in the mindset of, well, let's see. I think I'm going to get good return here. Or, man, maybe my return will be better over here with my 10% God's saying, no, it's a matter of heart surrender. And if we trust him with our finances, he'll know exactly where it needs to go. So he puts us in a church. He puts us in a body that is wise, that can make an impact in the community through our funding. And I look at that and I go, man, this is tricky. If we put our trust back in the source versus the resource, it's freeing. Psalm 62.10 says this, if your wealth increases, don't make it the center of your life. 1 Timothy 6.17 says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud, not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. I want true life for all of us. Philippians 4.12, we just looked at this a couple weeks ago. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. So we have so much that we can sometimes shuffle aside, but God's saying, are you trusting me with your resource, with my resource I've entrusted to you? Is your love for God evidence through your freedom from worry of material things that you are seeking first the kingdom of God? Because remember, that passage comes after do not worry about what you'll eat, what you'll wear, where you live. It's to trust to God. Richard Foster again calls the following three things the inward reality of simplicity. Listen to this. These are three questions to know whether uh, you're living a simple life, uh, do you view income, things, and possessions as a gift? Or like a right? I deserve this income, right? Do you trust God to care for things? And do you make your resource available to others? Worry and the love of money will find you holding on and answering the wrong way to those questions. No, I'm not going to lend that to somebody. I earned it, right? Simplicity does not only concern money. We did a series that so many people enjoyed a few years back called Margin. I mean, simplicity is margin in our life. It, come, it comes back to just like, do I have space to enjoy living or am I in the race? 24 7. I'm in the hamster wheel just running. Often we work too many hours to make more money, believing we're doing what's best, just to find that we were gone so much we missed really living. We not only need to surrender our finances to the Lord, but our time, our talents, our treasures. Do you even have space in your life to slow down and get to know your neighbors? I mean, that's a challenge. Man, I don't know one of them by name. Oh man, I don't know their kids' names. How is this possible when we live right next to people? (laughs) Or most of us. I just look at this and go, you know, do do I not have enough time to go to a group for a season of my life? Do I not have enough time to take a picture of a sunset not inside my car on my way home from the commute. And you just think about these things and go, yes. Go through your social feed and see how many of the sunrises and sunsets are from people on their way to work or home from work. It's kind of humorous, actually. I was doing it when I was prepping this. It's like, wow, that is kind of funny. When did you just have time free from distractions so you could breathe? Like, well, before I had kids. <laughs> no, let's, uh, just reality is like just to go, like somewhat, some authors would call it white space, just space to like, your mind reengages engages with living. Okay, back on track. Simplicity is not just an, an inward transformation. It's an external expression as well, and that leads us to thought too. Simplicity allows us to see the, the proper purpose for everything God has given us. We're not free from tough verses in Scripture, so I'll, I'll read a tough section. Here, listen to this. This is crazy. James is, is writing this in James 5.1. Now listen, you rich people. Weep and wail because of the misery that is coming upon you. Your wealth is rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. Was James mad when he wrote this? I mean, this is brutal. You've hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workmen who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters are reaching the ears of the Lord Almighty. You've lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You've condemned and murdered innocent men who were not opposing you. Wow. Oh, can you imagine if like, we just preached a sermon like that on Sunday? What would the following Sunday look like? I'm inspired to go back there. Wow, they made me feel great today. Told me I was going to die. Moms are going to eat my flesh. It's <laughs> awesome. Yay, church. Uh, no, what's being communicated here is very real for our day, though, isn't it? And I think we're more conscious of this than ever before in our society we're very intentional with what we're doing because we realize there's disparity in our world. There's incredible wealth, and there's just like really incredible poverty that makes, not even knowing the answers, and I'm glad I'm not, all, I'm not at the table all the time to make decisions to change the world, right? But there's disparity that you just like, how is this possible? in our day that people are treated like this how are there more slaves today than ever before in this in history it's not right you want to do something about it. you want to solve it you also want to support those who are like doing it right when we were in Surabaya this summer for a few weeks one of the cool moments was we got to, to tour one of the largest furniture stores in the world. Uh, I think we have a picture that'll pop up of us preparing. Um, you, we were gonna go through all these wood factories and stain and all these chemicals and this is the protection we got to not breathe in. Whatever, I don't know. Uh, Jaya right there, one of the most generous people on the planet, is the owner of this factory and uh, it, it's pretty much the second largest furniture builder in the world, and uh, second only to some of the furniture companies in China. And he walks us through this factory that his family has built for, th- for years and years and years, and he's a faithful member of our partner church, ICA Sarabaya, and uh, incredibly generous man, and he pays his workers with living wages, not enslavement wages, and they love the family. And and it was cool to go through and tour how furniture you and I own in our homes from his factory, 2.5 million square feet at just this one location with over 8,000 employees making furniture that you would see in our entryway Probably you, if you've bought furniture ever at Costco, Target, Fred Meyer, Pier One, uh, you know it just he makes all the furniture there, a lot a great number of the brands, and yet you know there are companies making furniture like that that you wouldn't get a guided tour through in this world because slaves are making it paid. Pennies on the dollar, not able to earn enough to even eat. And I think our world is at this wake-up moment because everything's visible where we're saying, okay, yeah, we can't do that anymore. We're going to support companies like this instead of companies like that. And that's part of this simplicity and intentionality that it takes to be frugal but yet responsible and proper with what God has entrusted us? Am I gonna take his resources he's giving me and put it in the hands of some injustice? Dallas Willard says, the spiritually wise person has always known that frivolous consumption corrupts the soul away from trust in, worship of, and service to God and injures our neighbors as well. (laughs) Why? Why would it injure your neighbor? Because they're going to see what you have and want to live up to it. And then the cycle begins, right? Not understanding its purpose. Another quote, the Christian who has the ability to live luxuriously but fasts from all extravagance and practices simplicity in his dress, his home, and in his whole manner of life is therefore rendering good service to society. I'm not saying we have to live poor, crazy, you know, dust on our heads, woe is me, lives. I'm just thinking, what if we could live intentionally? So we have some questions we put on your handout on the fill-in that you could walk through uh, that I think will be good questions if you're going, yeah, I probably give in to consumption. What are some filters that we could practice that'll help us not ignore passages in scripture challenging us not to just be consumer driven. Uh, and so here's some good ones adapted from Richard Foster's writings. Uh, am I purchasing this because it will be useful or am I trying to impress others? Am I just trying to keep up with the Joneses? Oh man, they had Christmas lights installed next door. Guess we have to have Christmas lights installed. You know how much that costs to have somebody do that? It's expensive. It's expensive. Right? That's craziness. Don't try to keep up with the Joneses. Man, I guess they have these many cars. I gotta have this. Oh, they have a travel home next door. I got to get a travel trailer. Oh, my goodness, they have a boat too. I got to go get a boat. And people do this. They do. It's easy to be pressured by that. Number two, could this produce an addiction in my life? That's a great thing because some people... You might introduce something into your world that becomes a temptation. Maybe you're uh, easily addicted to technology. Should you introduce that technology into your life? Maybe substance is your addiction. And should you introduce that habit into your life? Uh, Should you introduce that person into your life? That show into your life? That expensive of a coffee brand into your life? Should you go buy a shoe store? <laughs> That's free um, for some. How big does your closet have to be? Hundred items. Remember, hundred, sh- no more. I'm getting rid of everything but these one hundred shoes right here. Our uh, Dana's brother is married to a, a professional organizer, and we were hearing stories about a, uh, an upstairs in a very large, 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 like mansion, like house that she was helping organize. And the upstairs had become all clothing racks. And downsizing, and she recognized, she hired a professional organizer because she recognized she had an issue. And finally, but every article of clothing was deeply emotional to say yes or no to, to make begs and begs and begs and begs. To be donated. By the way, those going on the missions trips will do a clothing fundraiser later in the spring, so don't throw your clothes bags out, store them somewhere until we collect them for those that can raise money. Okay, anyway, the free plug. Uh, The Bible's an equal opportunity offender, and this may just be prying at some of your living and your life. That's okay. God wants to help us grow, right? And uh, uh, third question. Can I give this away? I mean, the tidying up show on Netflix was all about that. Like, can I thank this for serving me for a season of my life, but just give it away? Or, you know, I don't care. It's okay if you sell it. But don't hold on to it just to hold on to it unless it's a memory that is that. Brings great joy to you, but it's like, could I give this away? Has this served its youthfulness in my life? This doesn't have to be giving it away. Could you loan it? And the generosity of so many of you, I think of like our youth. You give up Wednesday nights for a month in your homes so the youth can meet there. That's incredible. Generosity. Generosity. That's exactly what we're talking about. Can I let this be a purposeful space in my home? Some of you have loaned your SUVs or minivans for students to drive to a conference or a camp. That's incredible generosity that you're willing to let it be used. It's the same with our time though. A number of you have said yes to serve. You've leaned into serving once a month on a team somewhere here at Open Life to make this happen and and come about. You've said, okay, I'm going to offer my time up to the Lord. I'm going to drive a trailer because I have a large truck. I'm going to let it be used. We can always use more large trucks that can tow a trailer. I mean, it's just the reality of everything when you look around us. Can I give this away? Can I let this be used by God? How about this one? Am I buying this because it was pushed on me? Another documentary I did watch was like how they can program, they're listening to you at all times, right? Right? you're you're being listened to, your voice is being heard. Right now, because I have an electronic device here, uh, uh, and if I talk about wanting a new coffee pot, man, I just, I said I just can't wait to get a new French Press coffee pot. Later today, I'll go onto Instagram, and what kind of advertisement do you think's gonna be on there? a French press, like every French press company that's paying for those analytics, that hears somebody say the word French press coffee or new, I just ticked all those boxes because they're listening, then I'm going to get all those advertisements. Isn't it scary when that happens, kind of? But I don't really care. I'm like, I live in a glass house. It really doesn't bother me. But at the same time, are you susceptible to giving in to things that are pushed to you? because or pushed on you? If so, you're going to own every new thing and you're going to be out of the resource that God gave you to bless you with. You're letting others use you. Here would be a challenge for a lot of us in the room. What if this week you go to your inbox and unsubscribe? Didn't you just break out in a cold sweat when you hear that word, right? Unsubscribe from the emails you get from vendors you've had to give your email to. So your inbox quits pushing on you things that you could buy. (laughs) That's crazy for some of you. You're like, you just hurt my heart thinking of doing that. But we do work, things are pushed on us thousands of times a day. If we're giving into that, we're probably giving into consumerism versus an intentional, purposeful way of using what God has given us to glorify him and and live a life to the full. How about this, the fifth one? Uh, Do I really have to own this or can I borrow it? Now, if you know me very well and I have to cut or build anything, most anything, I'm gonna have to call you Uh, I'm going to have to reach out. Hey, Dalen, can I come uh, use a saw? Because I have nothing. I am tool. I am, like, really not strong in the tool department. I'm a tool in the tool department. So I just, uh, uh, some would be embarrassed about that and go, like, yeah, I can't imagine. You got to, I need a vacuum. I'm going to, a shop vac. I'm going to go buy a shop vac. Or I need to haul something to my house. I'm gonna go buy the trailer to haul this to my house. You know, and we could give in. What, what if we borrow? And then God can use the amount we would have invested over here. One of the minimalist things was, why buy a new dress? Why don't we just borrow dresses? It's just like, wow, that is crazy, you know, that they're talking about in the movie. And I'm just going, but in the reality is, borrow it. Just a thought. Sixth question Have I stopped to lift my head and look around at the creation God has given us? When's the last time you went on a walk? A hike? Watched a sunset or sunrise again, not in your car or while you're on the train? It's like, let's just go out to enjoy fresh air. God says we can see him in all of his creation. Have we taken time to thank him for it? We live in a beautiful, beautiful place. We need to enjoy it. Can I afford this? That's what we normally ask, right? Can I afford this? If you're going into, do- if you're going into debt to introduce something new into your life, can you really afford it? If you are lending to afford versus lending to leverage, now this is a whole financial class all of a sudden, right? But if you're lending to afford versus lending to leverage, you're entering into a space the Scriptures give firm warning to. They call it becoming slaves to the lender. If you've never heard of Dave Ramsey... Listen to some podcasts. (laughs) Google it, uh, because he'll give you some wisdom in this area. But he probably won't encourage you to lend to leverage, which I tend to enjoy. I enjoy using a credit card and paying it off every month and getting travel miles so our family can take vacations. But some can't handle that, and you need to be on a cash basis. Eighth question, can I really make the commitment to add this to my life. Well, what are you talking about there? Are you saying yes to something that is gonna can't make you cancel something you already said yes to? Matthew 5.37 says, just say a simple yes I will or no I won't. Anything beyond this is, is from the evil one, and I think oftentimes we're caught in the space of saying yes, and then we realize, man, the responsibility I just took into my life here is going to now mean that I can't do what I said I was going to do. I know I signed up to volunteer, but I just said yes to this. Now I can't serve. I know I said yes to this, and, and I just now I got to back out over here. I know I said I was going to go on vacation this year, but my kid was begging for a dog, and we got one, and and now I don't know who can sit. I don't know what dog sitting looks like, or, 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 you know, and so now we're not going to go on vacation. I'm teasing one of my daughters right now, actually, by using that illustration. Uh, Begging for a dog. Anyway, um, thanks for those who got a new puppy in the room. Anyway, so we're excited about that. Christmas is coming and, and we have a list, so this is amazing. Ninth question, I'll wrap it up with this. Is this an injustice to anyone? And I think that's where our, our culture's asking that a lot right now. Our culture's raising signs of, uh, against companies that are, are doing things that are hurting people. Income inequality, Uh, The list goes on, but like I spoke of, like that furniture company was justly paying their people. But there are slaves in this world making things we're using without a conscious awareness. Man, am I actually supporting injustice by purchasing this or watching this or going to this or being a part of this? We need to ask those questions. Those are tough questions to even find the answers to, but more and more we're becoming aware that we need to or else we're just part of the system and part of the problem. People of Israel were starving on their way to the promised land that God had provided for them and reminded them it wasn't by their hands, but his, right? As we mentioned earlier. And this is the instruction he gave them. Exodus sixteen seventeen. So the people of Israel did as they were told. Some gathered a lot, some only a little. He had sent bread from heaven, right? And they're gathering it up. Verse 18. But when they measured it out, everyone had just enough. Those who gathered a lot had nothing left over. Those who gathered only a little had enough. Each family had just what it needed verse 22 on the sixth day they gathered twice as much as usual four quarts for each person instead of two then all the leaders of the community came and asked Moses for an explanation he told them this is what the lord commanded tomorrow will be a day of complete rest a holy sabbath day set apart for the lord so bake or or boil as much as you want today and set aside what is left for tomorrow So they put aside until morning, just as Moses had commanded. And in the morning, the leftover food was wholesome and good without maggots or odor. But on the other days, it wouldn't have been if they took too much. God wanted them to live on just enough, but to leave enough for everyone to be provided for. God will provide what you need no more, no less. And when we start to get on either side of that pendulum, He's gonna call us to accountability. And we're saying, okay, Lord, we're aware of this. You want us to be disciplined in this area? So here's our action point. Seek God first and begin to simplify your life, whatever that means for you. It might mean that you're more intentional with your cable bill. It might mean you're more intentional with your vacations or taking a vacation because you've not had margin. It might mean you change your commute strategy. It might mean you unsubscribe. So you don't make impulse purchases. Maybe you're going to make less trips by shoe stores. Uh, or Guy's Home Depot. You know, I don't know. Uh, so whatever. But what would it look like for us to say yes to trusting God first? and allowing our hearts to be moved. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity you give us to be challenged in areas like this. (laughs) It's not necessarily the the most appealing subject to walk through, but boy, you give us every bit of scripture so that we can grow and be challenged of the things that would be a, a stumbling block to us. In this area of simplicity, God, would you come in and just give us a deep challenge? Show us in what ways maybe we're not being purposeful in our financial strategies or our time usage or our talent surrender. Let us say yes to you first. Show us the way of living and serving and giving and being generous and a great neighbor and not a stumbling block to the world around us. Help us to have healthy filters so that we're not giving in to the consumer strategy that we're being bombarded with. But Lord, we would be living as full life, generous people, having the blessings of your wealth. It's not ours. It's your hand that's brought us here. Touch our lives in this area. In Jesus' name, will you stand with me?